Really quick announcement. We're starting a Dynasty Fantasy Football League, a viewer league. If you want to join, tweet at us, at 3rd20 underscore on Twitter, or leave a comment if you're watching the video on YouTube. Like and subscribe as well. Thanks, guys. Third down and 20. What is going on? Welcome back. 3rd and 20 Podcast, episode 59. My name is Frank Unsel. We got the main man, Mr. Steed himself. Steed, how you doing, man? Doing good, dude. A little night edition episode here. <laughs> yeah, and was today that Aaron Rodgers finally returned from whatever he was doing. He was in Hawaii one week, and then the next week I see him, he's throwing footballs to people at boat parties. Yeah, dude, like when we decided to talk about – of course, like we were going to talk about Aaron Rodgers coming back, but like I just wanted to like recap what a wild offseason for him. You know, first he started up with the drama with the Packers – but I mean, he hosted Jeopardy. Uh, he was <laughs> he he was in Hawaii with uh, you know Shalane Woodley, his fiance, and Miles Teller. I don't know if you're like you don't know who Miles Teller is, but like he played in all of the Maze Runner and like Insurgent like movies, you know, like he hanging out with a weird crowd, you know. But he, hey, he was on was... one man. He was having like a instead of having like an MV not, not, not a Super Bowl parade he was having his MVP parade just going around like yeah. what's up guys just threw for like 50 tutties last year one MVP and pretty sick team doesn't want me but pretty cool yeah <laughs> it was pretty funny um also like did you see like his shirt he was wearing like that Kevin Malone shirt from the office is talking about like Kevin and the chili like I thought you know, and, and he's still rocking the long hair, you know. Like, he hasn't yeah. left Hawaii, it seems like. But, I mean, good that he's back, though. I'm glad he's just at least going to play. Yeah, and with that being said, they were the last team that we didn't cover in the over-under. We left them out waiting for Rodgers to come back. The mm-hmm. lines are now on the sports books, and that over-under is placed at 10. Um, I should have had this pulled up. I'm pretty sure it's about the – about the same maybe they were 10 and a half last year but i feel like they were right around 10 steed i'm gonna hand it to you first because you were the packers hater last year still am you still are but it's only with an extra game 10 games really feels pretty low for this football team especially a team that you know has come off back-to-back nfc championship losses again uh but you know 13 wins the past two years to put it at 10, and especially knowing that Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to be back. That's tough. Um, I don't like them saying this is the last dance, you know, like, you know, I, I've seen like where they both posted like Jordan and Pippen, you know, kind of thinking it, they know this is their last hoorah for the Packers. Well, see the thing with Jordan and Pippen, they won championships, you know, uh, <laughs> here he goes. Like, I'm just saying, like, it, it, you could call it the last dance, but it's not really the last dance for you. It'd be something if it was like Brady and Gronk or, you know, something like that. I would get that. Not Rodgers and Devontae. Devontae doesn't even have a rank. Um, but for my guess, the over-under, I got to do it. I'm taking the under. Taking the, <laughs> the under last, and no way. The last dance, quote-unquote, will not end well for the <laughs> Packers. Rodgers has been in Hawaii not caring about football. He'd rather be on Jeopardy. He is not in – he won't be in his MVP form. He's still going to be Aaron Rodgers, like, top-quality quarterback, yes. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna ride off. They I they lost a couple pieces on the line. I, I'm pretty sure. And like I, I'm just saying that you know the two there's gonna be too much distraction going on with all this lingering on with the Rogers deal. That I think it's gonna be more of a drama fight than it is that you know quote unquote last dance. Um, looking at their schedule now, I actually thought their schedule was going to be a little bit more favorable. They have to play the NFC West, it looks like, which sucks. Um, That's in the AFC, they I think they also have the AFC West. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. I'm trying to check. No, they have the AFC North, which is also another tough one. So, like, it's tough. You play yeah, two top three divisions. Yeah, that that is not fun for your schedule. So 10 wins actually doesn't look terribly out of there. The thing is with the Packers every year and why I still, I'm going to take the over for two reasons. One, they're just going to gobble up division wins again. They do every single season. I mean, the bears, their defense proved really no match for the Packers in both of their matchups last year. I thought their defense did nothing but get worse from a talent perspective. Like now you're going to add, I like Jalen Johnson. I thought he should have been a first round pick. But you're going to ask him to cover Devontae Adams twice? I mean, yeah, that's tough. Plus the Bears, like, historically, just ever since Rodgers has been there, just don't play well against Packers. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think a rookie Justin Fields or Andy Dalton's going to outduel Aaron Rodgers. So you're going to need your defense to step up and make plays, which they haven't been able to do against this Packers football team. I mean, you get the Lions twice. I mean, now, yeah, listen, I, I like the way that the Lions are headed, but – it's just they, they they're no they'd have to have a couple of big plays probably some luck as well to really pull off an upset against against the packers i mean the vikings i think those games would be close but god forbid are they playing on primetime um let's see vikings yep there's a primetime game there okay so you got one of those games on primetime so looking good what for is the it? packers is it monday night um january 2nd it is no i think it's sunday night Oh, okay. I'm taking the Vikings. Kirk Cousins yeah, doesn't fine. lose on Sunday night. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. It depends on which primetime game you're getting. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still going to take the over. This Packers football team is too good. If you have Rodgers, you still have a pretty a solid defense. I wouldn't consider it necessarily one of the league's elite defenses, but it's not terrible. You have some pretty good players. And that offense is just going to still be on a roll. And you got a good coach, so – I think well, that they're more likely to hit 11, 12, or 13 than they are 9 or 8. Well, now that we know Rodgers and Devontae are going to be playing again this season, we're like when we were making predictions earlier, and you know, I took Bucks to win NFC, he took the Rams. Now that we know the Packers are back, do you th- does that change your opinion a little bit, or like do you throw them back in the mix? Ah, man. Um, I don't think so. I think part of the reason is that the NFC just wasn't as strong as it could have been and should have been. Um, The Saints, their offense was kind of limping into the playoffs last year. That defense was phenomenal, but when you're going up against Tom Brady, and they had a good, the defense had a good game against the Bucs, except their offense couldn't do anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the NFC it's just going to be more competitive. The Niners should be back. The Rams, even without Cam Akers, are going to be around. 
Um, the Washington football team even is starting to look like a team that's like, okay, year two, a stable quarterback, hopefully, in Fitzmagic. They're looking scary. I just think that the NFC isn't going to be as wide open and with a really tough schedule, I don't think they're going to be able to coast as easily into like a first round, a first round buy with the, with the schedule and just home field advantage in general. I think it's going to be a struggle for them to not a struggle, but like the Vikings are going to be in it for the division again, I think. So it's not going to be as much of a coast as it was last year. I agree. Well, I I don't think they're going to win the division, but. Well, I guess I guess the Aaron Rodgers, whatever you want to call it, the saga, the the drama, is going to be put off for a year. It's all fine for now, and they've found trading for Randall Cobb seemed to do it, and and guaranteeing he's traded next year. Weird, weird scenario. I don't think we've ever seen one of these scenarios be resolved like this. Um, it is weird. Uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Other drama going on around the league. We'll keep it with the quarterbacks for now. And that's Deshaun Watson is back. He's back. If you watch on the um on the Dynasty pod from that we released, it would be yesterday, I think when this comes out, yesterday or two days ago. Um he's like the Voldemort of the NFL now. Yeah, you, you he, thought he was gone. You thought he couldn't return. And now it looks like he's practicing. Um, maximum suspension, I feel like, is like six or eight games from an outsider's perspective. Listen, I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea what's going on in the situation. I yeah. thought that the Deshaun Watson showing up for training camp was a power move by Deshaun Watson and, and a really smart one at that because he just went out without the legal stuff being figured out completely. And just showed all the teams that want to trade for him, dude, you trade for me. I could practice. And as of right now, we could play. Like I I think I'm it chilling. also was a good move, just that, you know, speaking about the the lawsuits, it, him showing up to practice, I mean, he's confident like it's it's gonna be resolved anyway. So I, I do think he did it more of showing teams that hey man i i am here still like you can make the move out of me for me get get me out of houston yeah because i i had seen reports that like these teams that are trading for deshaun it's like probably a next year thing or if you do it now you you don't think he's gonna play it, it looks like it's green light full steam ahead deshaun watson is allowed to play and that is huge for him trying to force a trade out so the other thing i found funny about the Deshaun Watson scenario is some of the reports that came out today on the first day of training camp um, that he was basically doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, unsurprisingly, okay. but here's here's how he was doing nothing. At one point, he was wearing number 23 and lining up as a defensive back and when on a scout team. And when the ball was snapped, basically taking two steps and not covering anyone. I don't know if that's like one of those if, – if the headline was overblown, it's just one of those drills where like they're kind of warming up, just throwing around. And you just have a body there to throw it over, almost more of like, you know, they're not really doing anything. Or if like they were uh, – it's just weird. Why Deshaun Watson? Like what? Just, hey, Deshaun Watson, go be know. a dummy over there. If, if you're going to be here, just go go sit over there and be a body. It's just weird. It might be, that might be him just being like, hey, man, like – 
I don't want to play for this team. I don't even want to throw. Like, I'm just going to go out there and play corner for a little bit. I don't know. That's yeah. weird. I've never even heard of that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I saw the reports. It might be a little bit of clickbait from the people report. I have no idea. But hold, what <laughs> what is going on? So I guess the other question with Deshaun Watson is, where is he going to go? It seems like all the rumors recently have been the Eagles. That they're the yeah. ones that are, I mean, they have the, the draft man. capital. Uh, people are assuming they're going to have three first round picks in next year's draft alone, which I can only imagine. Like, that's what I heard the asking price was somewhere between three firsts and three firsts and two starting players. Clearly, you're not going to get that, or else he probably would have been dealt by now. But some package of like maybe two firsts and some pick swaps or whatever, right? A, a good first and some pick swaps might do it. And I mean, Eagles have the draft capital. I mean, the Giants have the draft capital. We're probably rooting for them, but I we've heard nothing yeah. on the rumor front with them. I think the Broncos are still a clear play, especially if Watson's able to play this year. They've been in the market for a new and like veteran quarterback. For, yeah, they, they want like a top quarterback. They want a guy at that position who's a top, top guy. You know, they they definitely don't want to stick with another year of um, a Drew Locke or just kind of like, you know, pondering around with a Teddy Bridgewater, you know. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I got out of it is there's, they were saying, like, listen, we like Drew Locke's talent long term. We'll just develop him. It's either we, I guess, panic or just give up on the Drew Locke and draft a quarterback or we can take what many people thought were the number one was the number one corner of the draft. We did not. We still liked um what JC Horn. But mm-hmm. I mean we didn't hate Patrick Sertain. We thought he was a pretty decent player. I thought the Broncos had a pretty good draft just to build out their roster. If if I'm them and and uh, the price gets down enough, I don't know what players you would swap in the deal. I'm looking actively to get that done for Rodgers or Watson. Yeah, I definitely think the Broncos would be the favorite. Or, you know, like the Eagles make a noise right now, but I would probably lean more Broncos just because they've been more vocal about it on trying to get the quarterback. You know, they were they were really trying to be in on Rodgers, and, you know, it, that that's not going to work out. Now, like, if Deshaun's able to play, I, I – I wonder, you know, if they're like, hell, just send it. Because, like, you saw where, like, Elway had his good Broncos teams in the past few years. I mean, yeah, you didn't trade for Peyton Manning, but, like, you got a just a stable veteran quarterback that n- n- could play, you know, that yeah. could play at MVP level. So it's an interesting scenario. There are definitely going to be some other teams rumored around. I know the um, the Las Vegas Raiders. I heard rumblings of them. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Gruden, for now, will stick with Carr. But you really never know. Um, I, I think it's a little bit late with the Washington football team. They seem to be relatively set on their quarterback room or just mm-hmm. not paying the price for Deshaun. You just have to give up someone on that D line, I would assume. And yeah, it's just it's a weird scenario, and it's a weird time for him to be traded. It feels like there's only a handful of teams that that are still willing to move their quarterback unless someone gets hurt. You know, it seems like a lot of teams are just 
either they got their guy or they're just like, if you have a Fitzmagic, hey, we think Fitzmagic's good. We see what he's got in camp. It's not worth spending our next four or three years of first-round picks and other little pick swaps and losing draft capital to pick up Deshaun. We'll just take the risk, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on. So other news, cr- kind of crazy news, first day of training camp. We're just getting wild over here. Xavier Howard has requested yeah. a trade from the Miami Dolphins. And if you look at so – the whole thing was about a contract. He wants to get paid more. He thinks – Currently, he's the sixth highest paid corner on average value per year, average cash per year. And um, the the primary disagreement I have learned is about the guaranteed money. And he, he referenced um, Byron Jones, the, the other corner that the Dolphins paid last offseason, that yeah. his guaranteed money is almost double Xavier Howard's. And that's what Xavier Howard was after. And the Dolphins apparently did not want to do that. So now he looks to be disgruntled. Do you think he's getting traded? I, I don't know, because corners are always kind of weird when it comes to this, you know? Like, it, it's really hard to tell. Also, like, Xavier Howard is, like, I've never really seen him in the news and how he acts. Like, Jalen Ramsey, when he wanted out, like, you knew Jalen Ramsey was going to get traded. Like, you just knew it. It's just the way he is. Xavier Howard, I mean, if I had to lean on something, I would say yes, he would get traded. But then again, I think the Dolphins would do a good job to try to make it work somehow. And I don't know. It, that That's a weird situation, too, because that kind of came out of nowhere, just Xavier Howard wants out. But I, yeah. I get it. Like, if, dude, like, if the. Guy standing next to you, Byron Jones, and I think Xavier Howard Betterham is getting paid more. Like, dude, I, I'd be like, I'd be asking for a little more money too. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with a player trying to maximize their value if they want to, especially like you said, if they are one of the league's top corners and there's another team that's willing to pay him. Like, dude, you you're, you got to pay to keep your guys. It's not like the Dolphins don't have cap space or couldn't have yeah. transitioned his salary into signing bonus. It's not like those those were impossible to do. They are in a position to be able to do it. So I have no idea if he's going to get traded or not. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm going to try and do everything I can to not trade him. I think that he's just that good of a player, even though he is – I think he's 28 now. Like, it's crazy. I feel like he got drafted yesterday. Um, I I think he's phenomenal. And that defense kind of runs on putting pressure on your corners. You're just going to run cover zero, cover one, try and pressure the quarterback and play one-on-one with no safety help over the top. You have to be an athlete. You have to be talented, especially against some of these teams with elite level receivers. Once you start getting in the playoffs, like, dude, these guys are heavily sought after. So, if he gets traded, let's just assume he gets traded. He's second highest graded PFF corner last year, by the way. Um, I think that there's two two teams, hundred percent, that would be in the market for him. And I think the first one is relatively obvious. It's the it's the Cardinals, because we yeah, all know they lost Patrick bad. Peterson. They lost the other corner too. His name always jogs my memory. Um, that they're not spending any money on corners, really. The Cardinals. They, they 
they're a team that's looking to win games now. Vance Joseph is another dude that defensively, at least last year, put pressure on his corners. Those guys were – like Patrick Peterson was asked to go one-on-one with receivers in that division consistently, mm-hmm. right? It makes a lot of sense to, to try and pick up Xavier Howard. You still have Kyler on the rookie deal. Just bite the bullet and, and really go in to win it this year and, and be a force in your division. I mean, I'd think that would be a home run for him. You know, take a chance, whatever. Um, that That is one position, you know, when they were sitting there, I think they were at 16, that, you know, we thought they would probably lean corner. They still got Zayvon Collins, who's great. But, you know, they really haven't been able to fill that hole and we know it's a big need for him. If a guy like uh, Xavier Howard's statue comes out and wants to move, I think they should be one of the first ones calling. Yeah, the other team I thought that would make a lot of sense um, from a pure, holy crap, this would be insane perspective and a little bit of realisticness there as well, is the Chargers. Think about the Chargers D-backs if they pick up Xavier Howard. Derwin James, Xavier Howard, and Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah, That, I mean, to me, is nice. insane. On top of the fact that you still have Joey Bosa as a top pass rusher in the league. Mm-hmm. That would be nice for the Chargers. Dude, especially as a defensive – you know, their coach was just the defensive coordinator for the Rams, one of the most talented defenses in the league. You saw how far that can carry you. You put you – round. You surround Justin Herbert with that defense. And not only that, you allow Asante Samuel Jr. to really, at least from my perspective, play in that role that he's going to excel at. Let him be the number two guy, play a lot of zone, and just say, dude, just go find the football. Get us the football. Mm-hmm. We'll have Xavier and Howard go cover the other team's number one, just shadow him all over the field. Asante Samuel Jr., you're the number two guy. Just just give us the football. You do that eight or ten times, you lead the league in picks. Like, hold, all of a sudden, your defense is insane. You have Joey Bosa to go get the quarterback. Derwin James is another dude. Like, dude, Derwin James can cover – could be a corner. Like, he literally could be a oh, corner. Oh, yeah, you can do it all. So, yeah. I mean – That oh. would be – that would make that defense – insanely scary and to me would separate the chargers as like a fringe playoff team into like a man oh man that team would be scary Uh, that's a team i don't want to face if if they made that move i would probably have to change some i I took the under (laughs) i would have to change it over over under i I mean i would have to put them in my playoff prediction too because like you know the offense will be there whether like whether or not if herbert you know, declines a little bit or not. I still think they'll put up decent enough numbers. But if they were able to get Xavier Howard with Staley as the coach, I mean, it, it fits, though. Like, Staley was there when Jalen Ramsey was uh, traded for from the to the Rams. I don't know. That'd be an interesting mix. I still think, like, I don't know. I still don't think he's going to get traded from the Dolphins, though. I don't I, think I, I so think either. That, I think they're going to find some way to, to... – mend the situation they'll either pay them you know be like yeah here's your money because like in the dolphins like what are you doing you know yeah, like, but you the draft- thing is do those steed is that 
this is an organization that clearly values draft picks and building for the future and and setting themselves yeah, up for tomorrow just as much building i mean yeah but i i said the same thing when they traded out of pick three when they could have had kyle pitts like you could have guaranteed yeah, had kyle pitts who i think was just easily <laughs> the best non-quarterback player in the draft no, they I mean, fuck it. You still could have. You could have just said, "We'll have two quarterbacks, maybe two quarterback system." Um, I don't like because Xavier Howard is now he's twenty eight. Like the, the that Dolphins front office, they're spending a ton of money on corners. I would not be surprised if they got a haul in draft picks, like a first plus, kind of like we saw with the Jamal Adams deal. If they just said, "Dude, we're we're gonna ship you off." We have Igbenogany that we just drafted in the first round. We have Byron Jones. We're going to get more draft capital. We're more comfortable just saying, hey, we're going to ship you off instead of giving you more more guaranteed money, whether it's deserved or not. Ah, it's a tough league. You're telling me you're I, not going to be shocked if the Dolphins do that? Well, no, just because based off their recent trend, it's just like if I'm a fan of the Dolphins, you know, at some point, you gotta like just say, put the chips in and go. You got the quarter, you got the rookie quarterback on that nice contract. You know, if he's your guy or not, like just run with it. Run with the team you have. You saw last year, you were a playoff caliber team, and you know if your offense could put up better numbers, yeah, you probably could have made a little bit of a run in the playoffs. I, I don't know. It's a weird situation. Um... Similar, Chandler Jones is requesting a trade out of Arizona. I saw people were saying that you could do a a one-to-one swap with Xavier Howard and Chandler Jones. I think Chandler Jones is another just pure contract dis, like disagreement where he's like 32, but since like 2010, he leads the NFL in sacks. Extremely productive yeah. player, extremely underrated player as well. Um it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him if he gets dealt from Arizona. I doubt that. I doubt that. I don't know. I'm I'm a little shocked with some of these teams that have quarterbacks on rookie deals, not just I probably because of the COVID salary caps. I haven't looked at the exact cap position. Mm-hmm. But I I would figure that some of these fringe playoff teams would be looking to really like make it happen and have the roster this year for well, if, these if you get hot players, and put, put yourself in there, yeah. anything can happen. Well, yeah, and especially if these type of players are hitting the market, you know, the trade talks. I mean, if I am if I believe in my team, I'm fucking calling them and trying to get them. I, I mean, if the I Chiefs just, have any cap space, they could really use someone like Chandler Jones as a consistent passer. That was the real weakness. The only real weakness of that football team until the offensive line got decimated down the stretch was that their pass rush just sucked. If you add Chandler Jones for like a one or two year rental. I mean, that fixes that. And I also don't think that the Mahomes major cap hits really come into effect early on in his contract. I think they have it structured so that it's relatively favorable early on. Yeah. Yeah. To like kind of, and I mean, it's smart for me. I would do the same thing where it's like, dude, while while we're hot, what like, give me give me the cash to give the team the cash to really go in. I mean, you saw what they did this off season. Like, you might not do that if you get your contract fully guaranteed and counting against the cap early on. Yeah, I'm just thinking about teams. You know, like 
you always got to think about like fits with guys going to teams, like what they need, but also like, I could just see like, you'd never have enough pass rushers, dude. Yeah. I, but like, I could just see aggressive front offices and uh, like, I'm thinking about like the Browns or like a Rams kind of front. Yeah. Office the Browns really were a aggressive. team that I was thinking about just now that you were saying, we're going to get into our top GM coaching pairs. So hint, hint on that one. But like you, like you said, just if there's an aggressive front office that says, "Dude, like we're just gonna bolster a defense for a good price," I'm not sure you'd have to give up a ton in draft capital. It really depends on the market, but you're right. Like, hit me up. Yeah, so, for sure. I mean, just imagine Chandler Jones and Miles Garrett with Jadavion Clowney. Oh yeah, or, that would like, be insane. Xavier Howard in that new revamped secondary with Denzel Ward, um, Greedy Me Will, and uh, the guy they just drafted, I like out of uh, what's his name out of Northwestern? Oh, Northwestern. Um, Greg Newsom. Yeah, Greg Newsom. I just stacked. I mean, that'd be great, though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So, now that we're on the topic of aggressive GMs and good GMs, we are going to rank our top 10 head coach general manager pairs. Now, I don't know for your list, I excluded the single coach GM scenario. So, so Belichick. Bill, yeah, Bill Belichick, basically. It's like it has to be a coach and GM pair. It can't be a coach that is also the GM. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you had Belichick on there, or if you could just if you had a, a couple an honorable mention that you can just throw in there. I guess it'd be Belichick. Uh, no, I did not have Belichick on there. Either. All right, so my number one head coach GM pair is Brett Veach and Andy Reid. I, I think that one he's pro- they're probably top one- three for everyone. Hmm. Easily. I mean, they were my number one, too, just because, you know, like, they go out there and make moves, and they're just winning football games. Like, and they have been before Mahomes, but now, like, you know, they are Super Bowl bound every single year, and there's not many teams, like, if there's any team at all can say that coming into every season. Well, yeah, I just think the moves, picking up Orlando Brown, I thought was a phenomenal move for that for this football team. To me, Orlando Brown, I, I I truly believe I'd probably say he's a top five tackle in the league. Um, I, that might be a little hasty, but from a value perspective, like this guy is insane, and I think he's really going to flourish at the left tackle spot. Uh, mm. He's just a big ass dude. Um, yeah, like the moves that they make, the plan that they've had. The execution of the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes transition obviously can't be understated, and so much so that it seems like half of the league is trying to copy their mold of ensuring that you have a veteran bridge quarterback into your your starter that you drafted in the first round but sat for a year. Like the fact that they, yeah, it was done before them, but they really like. It seems like everyone's doing it now. For the, unless your mm-hmm. team really sucks. So, yeah, I, I think that they're an easy top three, number one for me. Let's go with your number two. I'm, I'm curious to see who you have as number two. I do. I want to do it so bad. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say my number two is uh, Brandon Bean, the GM from the Bills, and Sean McDermott. I think that they've been a really good mix. You know, they drafting Josh Allen. It's been a home run so far. The Stephon Diggs trade, a great trade. You saw how uh, great he was last year, and you know, building up the defense. I'd like to see him. You know, like maybe get a little running game going, or you know, get a running back, but. Overall, the Bills, the, since Sean McDermott has entered in and Brandon Bean's been there, it's been a great mix. They're back winning games, and they're still like, you know, they are a Super Bowl-tier team as well. Yeah, I, I also have them in my top five. My number two, this might be a homer pick, it's Mike Tomlin and uh, and Kevin Colbert. I just <laughs> really – the thing is, though, is that the fact that under Mike Tomlin, this the Steelers haven't had a losing season – it's just a ridiculous I mean, yeah. level of consistency. Like, I truly do believe that you can throw this tandem on about any football team in the league, and they'll find a way to, to put the organization in a better spot a couple years down the line. Um, they're just, they have a very consistent and calculated process. Kevin Colbert, even, like, He's adjusted a little bit to the more aggressive modern GMs of the league, which I think was nice. And you saw with the addition of Minka and, and trading up for Devin Bush, that. like those nice moves that were considered risky from an organization that usually didn't take a lot of risks in the draft and in free agency. I mean, it was cool to see, and the execution was great. So that tandem to me is easily in, in the top three. Um, especially since we're excluding Belichick. Yeah, well, you know, Kevin Colbert and Tomlin are my three. I, you know, I just think they're a good little mix. And, you know, Colbert's, I think one of his best moves, you know, when you talked about it, it was that Minka trade because it just transformed that defense. Hey, it's just crazy. You know, we were 0-3 at the time and everyone's saying, oh, that's, that's a top quarterback in the league. And it was just – Looking back, that was just a phenomenal deal for Pittsburgh at a, at a a weird time. So my number three is Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, they ha- like listen. It's not necessarily perfect with the Saints. They they whiff on some draft picks here and there, but this is another group that I am just confident that they are going to consistently put together competitive football teams. Simple as that. Like, you have your ups and downs as a Saints fan. You know, it's been a lot of ups, especially under Drew Brees. But, dude, you can't understate some of the draft picks that they've had and some of the draft classes that they've had. Adding a plethora of talent recently. I I just, I really like this tandem. Like, and to me, I think that, I, I feel like I said every week, like, Sean Payton is just a top top coach in the league he's incredibly creative and he's an innovative guy i think this pair may not be in everyone's top three but they're they're definitely in my three spot okay i'm gonna see if i can surprise you here with my four i got john robison and Vrabel from the titans i don't have him that high it's not surprising because i like them a lot um I mean, think about like the moves that Robinson has made. He is he literally found just a you know diamond in the rough in Tannehill, and just been great for him. Uh, and it, on top of Rabel's just you know elite 
you know, game strategy and be, being a great coach. But I, on they've made great moves. Uh, you know, you drafted AJ Brown. I mean, maybe not their first round picks like the last or like you know two years ago, whatever it was. But um, on top of that, like AJ Brown, I think he's a huge home run. Derrick Henry and the Titans have gone from kind of a team where you know, like back when Mariota was there, it was kind of like seven and nine, nine and seven. Like maybe you could see it like playoff team to where like. You know they're the they're one they're easily like they are one of the two of the favorites in the division now and if not the favorite so I, I think they are a good little mix and they do everything right. Well, I, I like the point you brought up because I was going to say with this group I have them later in my list that name a team that after they draft a quarterback bust number two in the draft and. Mm-hmm has whiffs after that in draft classes like to the level that they have when was a team like that good after those moves like the fact that the titans are a perennial playoff team now and a team that's now looked at as one of the strongest in the division is pretty crazy like I'm not going to mm-hmm. praise them for having a bad draft class a year or two ago and and here and there, right? Especially with the first round picks have been inconsistent. They've definitely made up with it with some of their second round picks and other picks and drafts and their other moves, but it really is crazy to see cuz from an outsider's perspective, the Titans should be bad. Like it's just feel with the defense they had last year. Oh yeah, I the, mean the whiff on Marcus Mariota, the whiff on Isaiah not Isaiah Wynn, that that kid from Georgia last year. It's just like those are moves that bad football teams make, yet they've made such crazy moves, especially the Tannehill one, that it's just completely outweighed that. Yeah, it really – they might just be an enigma, honestly. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) That might be like their strategy. Every other team that whiffed on a quarterback has either taken a new one and they started over with like a new regime, or I mean the other the only really good one it feels like has been the Bears. Unless you managed to weasel Tom Brady like the Bucks did. But even Jameis mm. Winston was I don't know. It's just I don't know. I just give credit, you know, to the Titans and Robinson and Vrabel, because obviously when Tannehill was on the Dolphins, I always thought he was good. Like I thought, I thought he was good. If I was just, I didn't watch many Dolphins games when he was playing, but I would just read the stat line and I'm like, "Damn, they lost another game." But hey, Tannehill went 22 for 31 with 280 and two touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Like, he just needs some help, and I think they kind of saw the same thing. You know, like let's just get him around our team. And we'll be we'll be balling with Arthur Smith at OC. I think the problem at the time with Tannehill was he. I mean, he did have good plays and good stats, and he was. I mean, he was a high draft pick. He was like number eight overall. He had the talent. He just had like his low lights were really ugly, and I think mm-hmm. that that turned off a lot of teams when he eventually became a free. And on top of the fact that you're a free agent quarterback, like obviously you'll have a market for a backup job, but. It's, it's just a weird scenario to be a quarterback that kind of flopped after your well, also, contract. Yeah. I mean, it does also help when you go to a team where you can hand, hand off the ball 30 times yeah. a game. But, yeah, I like that group. 
so we're on number four. My number four group is Barrington Bean, Sean McDermott, the Bills crew. Um, I thought I was going to have them top three, but I didn't. So, okay, we already talked about them. My number five group, though, and five, six, seven, and eight are all, like, insanely close. Okay. I have Chris Ballard and Frank Reich here. Mm, For better or worse. They didn't didn't make my top five, but I, I have them somewhere. I have them in those three slots. Here's the thing. Like... I really respect this organization because they have a lot more patience than I would have. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, they have gone with the philosophy they're building in-house, and they're mm-hmm. not going to go out and overpay anyone unless like they're on their team and they deserve the contract. I mean, it's been said like every year. It's always, all oh, well, the, the, the Colts should make splashes in free agency. Oh, the Colts should trade for this, the Colts. If you look at every single move, every single move the Colts have made has been very like financially sound, smart move. Even the Carson Wentz trade, it's like that. And you look at a value perspective a year later, like it's crazy. Yeah, the DeForest Buckner trade, right? Like really good, smart, sound value deals that have a ton of upside with only a little bit of downside. Also, I mean. They got Darius Leonard in the second round. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, their draft selections have been crazy. I mean, Quentin Nelson was a home run. Darius Leonard was a home run. Um, they ended up picking up. Um, they picked up who? They picked up that pass rusher in the draft this year, right? Not Owe, the uh, the kid from um, Oh Quiddy Pie. Yeah, Quiddy Pie, who had, a lot of people thought was going like top fifteen. He just slid to him. Like, I don't. Know, I think this is just. Sometimes you can overthink in it making a list like this. They're just consistent. They're just good. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna they're not gonna run this team into the ground anytime soon. They have been building and building and building, and eventually it should be a powerhouse. Yeah. I I mean that defense is stacked. Uh at five for me, I mean, we you talked about it before and hit on it. Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. I think that's a good duo. I mean they've they built that team whenever Drew Brees was kind of on his last leg to win that Super Bowl, never accomplished it. They were probably a PI away, a, a, a PI call away from, you know, playing, being in the Super Bowl and possibly winning against the Patriots that year. But, you know, I, I thought they did a great job structuring that team. You know, they're kind of, if there's a team I'm willing to bet that can figure out, get past all this cap room in they are in and get right back on track in a couple years it's the saints yep i agree all right who you got six okay well i'm just gonna double down on one you just said i got ballard and Wright. (laughs) all right yeah we just talked about them i'll go at my number six this is easily one of my favorite gm gms in the league actually i mean i like the tandem as well mainly because all the guys I like every year he drafts. And that's Rick Spielman, the, the, the Vikings general manager. For mm. some reason, me and Rick Spielman must have a very similar scouting process or something or whatever it is. He drafts all the guys I like every year. Every single year I look throughout the Vikings draft picks. At least the past two years, I've been like, oh, yeah, I like that guy. Oh, I like, 
holy crap, their entire draft class is dudes that I circled and I wanted to know where they ended up. So like this year, Kellen Mond obviously is one of them. If you, if you listen to the podcast, he's a dude that I really liked. They drafted um Chaz Surratt, linebacker out of North Carolina, who me and you both really liked. Um, yeah. They had a couple of other later. The third round. They had a couple other later picks. Last year, they drafted the um, the kid from South Carolina, the pass DJ rusher. Wanham. Yeah, DJ Wanham, who we both thought, like, dude, come round five as a rotational pass rusher, that could be a dude that brings some value to your, fa- to your football team. Obviously, he's not a, a three-down three down outside backer defensive end pass rushing tight because he's just not big enough. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you saw last year he was able to get three sacks and a bunch of pressures as a rotational pass rusher. Those guys can really add a lot of value to your football team in, like, the fifth round. I like their draft strategy of trading back and acquiring a lot of picks in sections of the draft that they think are going to be very strong. It just seems like it's a very calculated calculated duo. They've had a lot of draft success. And I think that they're primed for a way better season than last year. Yeah, I think they'll be definitely be on the come up. I, I got them a little later on in mine. But at seven, I got – this is tough because I know it's a duo and it's tough for me to put Bruce Arenas on here. But I, I think Jason Lynch just, like, kind of carries this because he, he did build that Super Bowl roster. I, yeah. you, you look at what he did with the secondary. You look what he did with the D-line. I mean, he drafted Tristan Wirfs. He drafted Mike Evans, Goblin. Like, he, that Super Bowl team, that was – that doing that depth chart was all due to him. And I think he deserves a spot in the top 10 and Bruce Arenas because he did coach him. Bruce Arians, dude. Come on. Arias. Dude, I always screw up his last name. I can never <laughs> say it. But, you know, I think they he deserves a spot in the top 10, so I'm put him at seven. I actually don't have him. At, he was one of those ones that's, like, definitely close. But I feel like it's just hard – you won the Brady sweepstakes. I mean, yeah, you're right. You built the roster. They have a phenomenal roster, and he'd probably be right after in my top ten list. So my number seven is um, Lynch and Shanny, the 49er crew. I, I just mm. like them. I like them a lot. I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the trade for Lance, but I see why you did it and the fact that you almost had to in the modern game. If you if you like that guy, go ahead. and So I respect it. I wouldn't have done it personally, but I respect mm-hmm. it. And you can see the clear upside. But this is just a, a, a tandem I think is great. I, I think that they are the epitome of like the modern NFL guys. You know, they, they're innovative. They seem to be like ahead of the curve. Um, I think that the way that they build their football teams up front first and then into the skill players, the, the specific players that they take, I, I just – I every single move I see the 49ers make, for the most part, it has always been a move that's like, yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, I like that one too. Okay, I like that one. And it's just fantastic coaching from Shanahan as well. Yeah, I – they're a good group too. They're in my top 10, but at eight, I got Spillman and Zimmer and you already talked about them, but I I think like you talk about a team that's building onto something that has invested, you know, not heavy in the first round draft capital, but you know, these mid tier rounds and trying to find talent and make these, you know, second string and capable starters. I think they're going to be very deep. And 
I know their defense was young last year, but with these young guys, I don't expect Zimmer to have a bad you also defense. Added Patrick like Peterson, which is a huge, yeah. huge add for a huge position a of need since Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, because like they got the kid from Mississippi State that was a rookie last year. Was his name Drake Patrick? I think it is. No, they I, got I think um. It, they got didn't they get the kid from TCU? I thought um, they had the guy from Mississippi State. I'll look up there. It was the 2020 draft you're saying? Yeah. He was their number one. Well, it had to be their number one corner last year because, you know, they didn't have any corners. But, you know, you definitely saw, like, him struggle early. But I think, like, Jeff later Gladney. In the season, Jeff Gladney. Okay. but like, And, and Dantzler. They picked up them both. Oh, Dantzler. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, they picked uh, up Those are two guys that I think will – or you'll see a lot of progression this year. Like, yeah, you saw the first year struggle at them, but when the Vikings got, like, hot, you know, they started playing well. Yeah. No, I, I like what they've been doing. I think that it's one of those strategies, like you said, you just acquire enough talent at every position, and all of a sudden you are going to have a great roster. Um, we're going to get a little bit more into the Vikings in a, in a second here. Um, my number nine is John Robinson and Vrabel. Um, mm. My number 10, I skipped my number eight somehow. My number eight was John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, the, the Ravens crew. And I know their GM just took over, but I think Harbaugh kind of carries it. This is more of like the Ravens organization in general. Honestly, they, if – if DaCosta was there for longer, he'd be they'd probably be higher up. Consistent yeah, organization. Five. Just consistent. If we were talking organizations, then this is easily a top five team. Just because he hasn't been there a long time, I'm not gonna give him the respect that I have some of these other dudes that have either made incredible moves or have just been around for a while. Like you can make the argument. I mean, he's been gift wrapped an insane football team. Um yeah. Still, though, I think he's the good. He's a good guy for the job, and I think if I were to rate Paris, he'd still like they're still in the top ten. Yeah, he missed my list just because you know he hasn't been there. But uh, at nine, I have Lynch and Shanny. So at ten, I had to do it, dude. You know, I have to talk about them. But I got uh, old Andrew Barry and Stefanski. I'm at ten too. Oh, let's go. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> I like this. I like this tandem. I, I think they could be higher. I think they could be higher. Dude, you're the group. You're the guys that finally resurrected the Browns from misery. That mm-hmm. that deserves your top ten in and of itself. Like, <laughs> well, the the yeah, that especially. But you know, you look at what Barry's done this offseason. They've been aggressive. They made. I I loved every single of their move. I thought their draft class was very good. Stefanski just, you know, once once Baker started understanding it, they kind of took off in that whole offense. And I think they're just kind of building onto that, especially in the future. And the, maybe the one reason I don't have them higher is because, you know, you look at what – a good meat of that team is what Dorsey kind of did – a couple years prior. So like, I can't give them full credit, but you know, it's their time now. And this off season, I thought, you know, jump shot them into the top 10 for me. Yeah. I, I agree with the Dorsey comment to a certain extent. I think that Andrew Barry's just done nothing but good since then though. 
And the one thing, like the thing I'll say about Stefanski is that name a player on that football team that wasn't playing better than last year. Like the, I, two years ago, I guess. The, there wasn't oh, a yeah. single player on that football team that regressed. Maybe you can handpick like one of their D-backs early in the year. Um, or I guess late in the year too. Their D backs do kind of stuff. All right, excluding the defensive backs, name a player. Well, they had a lot hurt. Yeah, they, they didn't did have, have a lot hurt. or Delphin. But like every, I don't know. It feels like at least that every single player on the Browns team improved, all the way down to every who everyone thought was a bust. David and Joku. All of a sudden, you're seeing the David and Joku that was supposed to be good and was good like two years ago. It's like. Oh, he's back. Baker, he's playing well. Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year candidate. Like everyone, everyone was playing mm-hmm. how they were supposed to be playing, it seemed like, especially at the end of the season. Phenomenal job by Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Whether or not they built it doesn't really matter. They have been steering the ship themselves in the right direction and have taken that jump that Dorsey was unable to. I think their big thing that I would tell a lot of people is that you, you know they've made great moves and they've done a great job coaching but they all those two also established a culture in cleveland and if you want to be a winning like there's a culture in pittsburgh there's a culture in baltimore you know like you know every day you go to the the field to the park you know what you're supposed to do and you and just that feeling of like winning and just having your certain job i think they've establish that into Cleveland and that's why I'm more on them as being a perennial powerhouse for years. All right. We got any honorable mentions? I have a couple. So obviously the Bucks are one, but you mentioned them already. The other I want to talk about is the Dolphins. Um Greer and what's their head coach's name again? Brian uh, Flores. Flores. Yeah, Greer and Flores. If it weren't for that one trade I would have this team, these, this duo as a top 10 guy, a uh, duo. I do not like the, the the move from going to from 3 to 12 and then back up to 6 to take Waddle. I hated that, honestly. Yeah, that that was that cringed me a little bit. I thought they got a, like, up until then, really the only bad move, and it really wasn't that bad of a move, was trading Minka, but you still got a pretty, like, a top 20 pick in return. It wasn't really... Obviously, in, in hindsight, you probably wouldn't have wanted to do it, but that was fine um, from a value perspective. And I mean, their draft class was all right. It, it, it gave you some pretty serviceable players. They kind of turned a team that had just a bunch of nobodies on offensive line into a group that, if you look statistically, was like average, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit above average, which is a feat in and of itself. The fact that, I mean, they did invest in it, but... You've seen teams go years and years and years in drafts after drafts investing into offensive lines and not being able to get anything. They were able to take guys like Eric Flowers, shove him at guard, which is almost like an interior tackle, and all of a sudden turn a bunch of, you know, one draft class, a couple of free insights, you have an average to above average offensive line. Pretty good stuff from them. I think they're definitely an honorable mention. Yeah, I would put um, an honorable mention too, just based off kind of last year, teetering what we think they're going to be this year is Joe Judge and um, – oh, dude. Dave Gettleman. I, I, 
Yeah, Gettleman. Yeah, I I know De- Gettleman gets a lot of crap. A lot of know? his moves have worked. I I like Gettleman's but moves. Gettleman, like when his back is against the wall, because he's I've seen like I've always seen the news that he's in the hot seat. Listen, he made that trade for Leonard Williams. That worked. He signed James Bradbury. Bradbury played tremendous. The Odell I, trade. The Odell nice form. So I I think they're honorable mention because it looks like Joe Judge does have that kind of like he's building something in there. I mean, they play in the East, so like, you know, first one to seven wins, but I agree completely though. Also, like New York is just a tough market to play in and the one the one bad apple in his moves has been the Daniel Jones pick thus far. And it's not even set in stone. Dan Daniel Jones yeah, that... is going into his third year. But as of right now, it's like you would have liked to see Daniel Jones a little bit further ahead or have just yeah, shown but that apple more hasn't fallen flashes. from the tree just yet. No, yeah, obviously it hasn't. I agree though. I I have been kind of defending Dave Gettleman for a while now, and there are a lot of people that don't like the moves. It's just you look at it at the track record, it's been good. It's been really good. He's had two bad draft picks. And so mm-hmm. it's not even – he's not one bad pick, which was the corner that they took out of Georgia, uh, DeAndre Baker. Oh, yeah, that, DeAndre Baker. Taking him oh, as, as number one corner off the board was not a great move, and a lot of people don't like the Carderas-Tony move. But aside from that, his trades have worked. He's built a good – I mean, he got crap for the Saquon Barkley pick, but, what, you, you passed on Sam Darnold for Saquon. And looking at that now, you're thinking that's probably a smart decision. Obviously, you probably could have had Allen or Lamar, but – at the time, if you're going off consensus, if you're taking a quarterback at that pick, you're taking Darnold, which yeah. was probably a good move to, to pass on him, um, at least as of right now. So, yeah, I agree. That's a good honorable mention. All right, but let's move on. Let's go back to our boys, the Vikings, because this is a topic I'm surprised we really haven't covered an individual segment recently. And that is what is going on with Kirk Cousins. It's a scenario that I think if you play in dynasty fantasy football, it's one of those ones where it's like you think that Kirk Cousins is basically just going to play out his contract and then leave. And, you know, especially if you had that preconceived notion, you further it by the fact that they just spent – a third round pick, pick 66 or yeah, 66 overall on Kellen Mond, almost a second round pick. It's like, okay, clearly they're not in on, on Kirk Cousins to the point where they're not willing to take a Kellen Mond, you know? Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to just come out here and say, I don't think the Vikings have a plan for quarterback. I really don't. I looked at it today, Steed. And I came to the conclusion that the Vikings are just living in the present. Obviously, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Obviously, the, the value lined up with the pick to pick up Kellen. I mean, I like Kellen Mond. I thought he should have went in the second round. So he slips out of the second round. Hey, go ahead. You take him. Because Kirk Cousins is not the most consistent guy. What if Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins goes and instead of playing just the first half of the season like shit like he did last year, he goes the entire season and plays like crap. Okay, then we, we at least have something. We're not completely out of the water, you know, in the mud. And then, on the other hand, if Kellen Mond just happens to be one of the steals of the draft, 
well, shit, now we have two good quarterbacks. But also, they're living in the present and the fact that, well, what if Kirk Cousins is still just good? What if Kirk Cousins just plays good football like he has and is still just a good, oh, that fringe top 10 kind of quarterback? That's mm-hmm. fine. You have him under contract for the two years. You're chilling. I don't think they have a plan. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. I just think that they're looking at it from the perspective, hey, we got another guy. We're going to see what happens. Is a third-round pick. We had a second-round grade on him. Maybe it was an early second. Like, he just fell too far. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's fine. You're playing for upside. You have the chips. If if Kirk Cousins doesn't pan out, you have a backup plan. If if Kirk Cousins does pan out, then you only use the third-round pick. If Mon pans out, then you have two good ones. Like, I think it was a smart move, and I really don't think that the writing is on the wall for Kirk Cousins, nor is Kellen Mond going to be stuck. No, I agree with you. I would say, first of all, they needed a backup quarterback, and to get someone like Kellen Mond, you know, in the third round like that, you take him because you see the uh, pro ability. Also, I think it's good for Kirk Cousins, too, because he just – he is very, especially last year, he was very inconsistent. When the Vikings were just, you know, started off 0-5, it was, you know, it was pig city left and right, it seemed yeah. like, you know. and But, like, when they got going, you know, Kirk Cousins throw four touchdowns, 300 yards. And it's like, okay, why haven't you been doing that all year? So I think if you throw a rookie who wants to prove himself and wants to be talked about in this quarterback class – it's going to put some pressure on Kirk Cousins. So I think it's going to make – it's going to get, not make a break, Kirk Cousins, but, like, kind of put that fire back to where, like, your job security is not safe. Like, yeah, the contract says you're our guy and you are our guy, but, like, we need you to play like our guy. Like, we can't have you – we're competing against Aaron Rodgers, right, for the division. Exactly. That's the problem. Is that you need we, the elite. We can't guy. have you coming out. We can't have you coming out here playing like Jared Goff. Like we need 100%. you to. We need you to play like a top ten. We need you like in some kind of Matt Ryan range. You know, like just be. You don't have to do Patrick Mahomes ungodly things because at the end of the day, you still have Dalvin Cook. You got Justin Jefferson. You got weapons around you. We just need you to play at some kind of consistent level. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like this t- this organization is playing for upside, which is exactly what I think they needed to do with the situation and the cards that they were dealt. If you have a guy like Mond, who I'm sure that there were teams that might have had at least an early to mid-second round grade on, possibly even very late first round, um, I am pretty sure of that, that there are definitely GMs. I think the Vikings are probably one of them, considering they didn't have a desperate need to spend high draft capital on a quarterback. Um, Yeah, I think that they were in a position they needed to play for upside, and that upside could be a franchise quarterback. Dude, this is an organization, if you remember, that has really struggled to get that guy at the quarterback position. Kirk Cousins... He has been very good. He's probably been one of the better quarterbacks that the Vikings have had in recent years. It's just, I mean, they've been, yeah, he's been the closest. He's still thing not the guy, guy. He's not that unquestioned quarterback for the next three years. 
And the Vikings yeah. have been looking for that for years. What if you just got that in the third round? And if it, it not, it's like, just the third. The crazy thing is I was seeing this Vikings like fan the other day. He posted a video. He's like, all I know is pain. And like he posts like where Kirk Cousins throws that game winning touchdown to Kyle Rudolph against the Saints. That was a push off, by the way. And um <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like then he like fast forwards the 49ers game. He's like, Oh, and dude, you weren't you're telling me right now Kirk Cousins is going in there and beating the best team in the league that year. It, it, like, hands down. No, no shot. I, it, the thing about the Vikings, I like the Vikings, but I like them only as a playoff team. And it's because I look at a guy like Kirk Cousins, and I can tell you right now and be like, dude, you can't he can't win me a Super Bowl. He, 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 I, I Like, I don't – it doesn't appeal to me. Like, Maybe I think he's, he's a good quarterback. Hot. Maybe if, if you, you just get him, get him like, on that stretch. If you get him in a weird stretch like a Joe Flacco run the playoffs, but still, like, we haven't – this dude just got his first Monday night win of his career last year. <laughs> like, you talk about primetime, Monday night football is the joke of primetime games during the regular season. I mean, it, it, I, I, like I like Kirk, Kirk Cousins. I do. I like him. But, like, at the end of the day, like, our whole goal is to win a – not World Series, a Super Bowl. So like that guy, he he ain't it unless you've got like a forty nine er like a two thousand nineteen forty nine ers built team like full team around him, and he's playing. He's good. like right on the edge of Super Bowl cali- like Super Bowl winning caliber quarterbacks, just because he is most of the guys that you think can't do it, they can't do it because. They just don't have that ability where it's like you're down in a football game. We're going to hand you the football 55 times. You need to throw us out of here. Kirk Cousins can do that, which is crazy. Kirk Cousins on any given day can go out there and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. But for as many of those as you get, you get 150 yards and three picks. And it's just if you get him hot, I really do think he can win a Super Bowl. But that's the problem is that he's just – He's just not at that elite, elite level. And that's what you I, need in, in, in the modern game nowadays. There's just too many insanely good quarterbacks. Yeah, because, like, just, like, talking about the tier he's in, I would put him around the same tier as Matt Ryan. But at least every Sunday when I watch Matt Ryan play, it's just it's consistent. It's at least 200 yards, a couple touchdowns, and maybe a pick. And, like, yeah, Kirk Cousins can go off and do better than that, but then he can play, like, you know, like Andy Dalton. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just I, – I just – if he was more consistent, then I could just kind of believe more in it. Um, but, but I do think the like the moves is good though. for him. Because it's like Kirk Cousins is 100% good enough that you're not going to actively look to replace him. He's he's good enough. Like, he, he is. He's probably still, in terms of – how he's going to play next year, a top half of the league quarterback. At the end of the day, he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. Yeah. Um, whether whether it's sexy or not, and whether it's inconsistent or not, he, he's going to put up those numbers. It's just he's only a top 15 quarterback. And to win the league, we've seen that you probably need at least a top 10 guy or easily one of the most talented rosters in the past like five years. Yeah. So, interesting scenario there. 
unless like all their third round picks they've had in the last two years just turn out to be gems, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it, they get a just couple have, more like, Justin Jeffersons out there. Yeah, yeah. Just have a Justin Jefferson fall in your lap again. I mean, I don't know. I, Kirk Cousins, a, it, he's always an interesting guy to like look at because it's just, you see it. It's like, it's like the student that has potential in high school, but at the end of the day, just doesn't care. You know, it's like, dang, dude, like you could see, I feel be like, like he's the opposite. I feel like he's the type of guy where he's just not the smartest dude in the room, but he works so hard that he's able to compete with the smart guys in the classroom. It's just yeah, I guess if you the natural like those those kids side. that just like they just there's the other kids in the classroom that they, they just pick it up easier. They don't have to work as hard and they're able to get the better results. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Kirk Cousins is the type of dude that he works so hard and like has improved his game to the point where it's like he's able to compete with these guys. He's just not at that elite level. I wonder but, if he threw Kirk Cousins on the Patriots, what would happen? I think that'd be like good. Had... I think him and McDaniels would work. Like I think Kirk Cousins is super slept on. I like him. Yeah, because like, just it, you, you need were a... just talking about hardworking people. Like I always think about Brady. You know, just you know, talent wise, you, we can obviously like. When I say talent wise, like I just think of like a Mahomes or Rogers. Like you just see the talents, like not on par with them, but like the work ethics there. I wonder if Kirk Cousins just had that like path, you know. I don't know. I I, I still though, I he he's a good enough quarterback to where you're a fringe playoff team and you can go on a run. The thing is too though, is that I think even if the Vikings don't extend him, that he has life post Vikings. I yeah. really do think that if Kirk Cousins wants to, he can play for another five seasons in this league. Like yeah, I, and I think, I think so that too. he's being only credited for like two or three more, unless like you know, every team just has that. There's gonna be a team, dude. There's gonna be a team. If Kirk Cousins is playing at the same level that he played last year, three years from now, and he's in free agency, there's gonna be a team that wants him as the starter. Hundred percent. I mean, the Broncos would love him right now. Yeah, the Broncos would be a team. It's like, hell yeah. I mean, the Texans would probably. Probably take anyone. There are probably some high schoolers. <laughs> I was about to say, Texans I think that, take. I think the Texans <laughs> might take me. <laughs> you know that dude. You know that dude that um with the long hair. There, that I see PFF tweeting about him all the time. The uh the new Patrick Mahomes guy. He just oh, throws sidearm. Yeah. yeah. yeah you think that? Guy, yeah. You think the Texans would take that dude if they could to play right? If Deshaun doesn't play for him. Well, yeah, assuming that Deshaun is out, like, well, you got to put people in the seats, so because <laughs> <as> well. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I was a Texas fan, I'm not going to a game just to see <laughs> us get steamrolled by forty. Yeah, but if they had that kid, they could see him, Patrick Mahomes, a couple stuff with his sidearm cannon. All right, but that's gonna do it from us for this episode, episode fifty nine in the books. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Hit us with a like, hit us with a follow, hit us with a subscribe. Please, really helps us out. We'd really appreciate it. But thank you so much for listening. Peace out.